Good morning. Just want to reassure you a little bit. Um, I did reset the clock last night. Okay. Um, just we have communion runs a little bit longer, and I'm very thankful for communion. And I'm thankful to be over here with all of you this morning. And um, we're going to turn to God's word together. There's nothing better than hearing from God. And so if you would please stand for a moment out of respect, because this is the word of God. Uh, we can turn to God's word together, and if you have your Bible, you could open it to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking just at verses 1 through 3, because we could do a nice long series on the Beatitudes. But verses 1 through 3 is what we'll cover today. As I read this, this is um, the beginning of a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Words from Jesus Christ himself. And this is how, how God records the event for us. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us the life and the words of Jesus Christ here in this world as he talked with his disciples, as he talked with the crowds, as he taught us today. Thank you that Jesus came and showed us your ways. And thank you, Father, that he gave his life to win salvation for us. So, Father, as we look to your word today and throughout our lives, here in church and at home and everywhere else, Father, let that word come into our minds and our hearts and thrive there and be present in our words and our actions and our thoughts. Let your word thrive in our lives, Father. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you, um, if you were to look through the, the rest of these verses here in Matthew chapter 5, you would find the word blessed again and again. But what is it to be truly blessed? What is it that we would see or be aware of? To be blessed, does that mean that we have a big, impressive house with immaculate furniture that looks like nobody's ever sat on it, and thick carpets, and a 52-inch or bigger high-definition TV screen mounted on the wall so you can get a good view of all the games? Is that because God's so impressed with your life and the way you're living it? Or is it to have a, a nice, strong arm that can throw a football maybe 40, 50 yards into tight coverage and keep your head, stay calm under intense pressure? Is that a reward from God for good behavior? Or is it to have a fast, expensive Italian car, nice red color that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and can go really much faster than the police want you to. 
Who is truly blessed by God? The truth is that there is absolutely nothing wrong with a nice house. But please remember that someday it's going to be knocked down. They're doing a lot of that over in Fairbury. You may have been over there. There are some houses you may have seen over the years that are gone. Nice open lots there. The good arm. Nothing wrong with having a good arm. But, at okay, I'm 56. I realize those spirals are not very tight anymore. In fact, sometimes when I'm out throwing a football with Eric, he makes duck noises at me. Okay? Love that guy. Someday... Okay, the nice car you can enjoy, someday that car is going to give out and quit. I had a little taste of that a couple of weeks ago as I was driving the, my nice red SUV, which gets me from place to place. Anyway, driving from the church back to the house, and all of a sudden the engine quit, and no, I had plenty of gas in there. But, and I was, I'm thankful I was going 20 miles an hour down I Street instead of, let's say, 80 miles an hour down the freeway in South Dakota, which is the speed limit there. I felt much better about that. And I just came around the corner, pulled right across the curb, and was right in front of the house. Okay, that's what I would call being blessed by God. So, all these things in this world can be nice. But what about blessings that last, that endure? What about something that you can enjoy not just for a few years, but forever? Blessings from God might look a little bit different than the blessings we would think of for ourselves. And so we come to the Gospel of Matthew, to words of Jesus. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we find a unique sermon from a unique human being. Jesus saw everything from the perspective of heaven. Jesus saw everything from the perspective of eternity. One day, Jesus took his place right there close by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and his disciples gathered around him and listened to him, and he gave some words that were countercultural then and countercultural now. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus began, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit are people who are humble. They are not moved by selfishness, by arrogance. They know that they are sinners who are in need of a Savior. They know that left to themselves, they are spiritually empty. They know that they need to count on God for even the smallest of blessings. They're the kind of people who can't even look, lift their eyes up towards heaven to relate their good deeds to try to impress God and get his attention, but instead can only beat their chests and call out to God, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We find people like that in the Bible. One time the Lord told Gideon to go and set the people of Israel free from their oppressors from the neighboring country of Midian. And Gideon answered the Lord, But Lord, how can I save Israel? I am the weakest man from the weakest tribe in all Israel. 
And so God told Gideon how he could save Israel. He said, and this is how. God said, I will be with you. The strength would be the Lord's. The power would be the Lord's. The victory would be the Lord's. This isn't about Gideon getting himself all riled up to be a superman. This is about God in action. And Gideon was free to go as the Lord directed and free to trust what the Lord would accomplish. Years later then, the Lord told Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah considered himself, and he answered God, Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. But God told him, don't tell me that you're only a youth. You'll go to whomever I send you. You'll speak whatever I command you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you. Jeremiah was not in charge. God was. God's blessings are for those people who know that they need God's help. Or again, remember Peter, a professional fisherman. That was his business. And one time, it was a serious thing when he couldn't catch any fish all night long, but that happened to him. And Jesus told him to go out one more time. And this time Peter's nets were so full that they were about to break. And through that big catch of fish, Peter suddenly had a sense of that overwhelming power and holiness of who Jesus really is. And he fell to his knees and begged Jesus to go away from him because he was a sinful man and did not deserve to be in the presence of the Holy One. And Jesus told him, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. Good examples of those who are poor in spirit encountering the mercy of God. You know, it's really easy for us to forget how desperately we need His help. We try so hard to make it on our own. I know I have that trouble. I'm a man. And maybe more intensely than that, I'm of German ancestry. But we're all dependent completely on the mercy and the strength of God Almighty. We fool ourselves so often into thinking that we can be good enough to deserve the blessing of God. We convince ourselves so easily if we just do more things to outweigh all the bad things we do. And somehow we can curry God's favor. So often we fool ourselves into thinking that God will bless us because he owes us. And we find the words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he tells us. Blessed are those who know that there is nothing that we can ever do to earn our own salvation. Blessed are those who realize that they are spiritually empty without Christ. And Christ is the only thing that can fill that emptiness. Blessed are those who understand that apart from Jesus they can do nothing 
that makes a real difference or that endures. The kingdom of heaven does not belong to anyone because of wealth or power or popularity. Instead, the kingdom of God belongs to those people who know that they cannot live without the Lord and humbly repent of their sins and don't make excuses or try to hide them or blame the wife for them. And they humbly receive the complete forgiveness, 100% forgiveness, full forgiveness for every sin from Jesus Christ himself. Not to the ones who look to the cross and say, I don't need that, I'm fine on my own, but instead look at that and say, only this is my salvation because that's the Son of God dying for me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the ruler of heaven. Not to the arrogant, not to those who pursue power over others, not to those who consider themselves better than others, not to those who consider any other people less human than themselves. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the humble, to the poor in spirit, the ones who receive it from God himself. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So often we can get so full of ourselves a little arrogant in spirit. We can have the attitude of, look how successful I am. Look at how well I take care of my family. Look at what an active member in church I am. God has blessed me because I have impressed him so much. It's so easy to become arrogant and overlook the fact that everything good, everything good that we have and everything good that we are it's a gift from God. We owe him everything. If you want to look in another part of the Bible, in Revelation, take a moment sometime and consider the church in Laodicea. Here you find people who were telling themselves that they were so rich, that they had prospered so much, that they needed Nothing. And if you looked at just the appearances, you might think that that was true. What they did not realize was that according to the God who sees past appearances, who sees past our masks, the reality was that they were actually wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They'd forgotten that they were just as dependent on God as the people in the other churches, as the people around them in that town, just as dependent as anybody else. There's a number of years ago, Billy Graham, I know he's not in the Bible, but he's still a good example. But Billy Graham was going to preach at a church in Chicago. And before the service, he told the preacher that he needed a favor from him. So the, pre the pastor was probably thinking, oh, he needs something from, from what? From Arby's, or he needs something, <laughs> a glass of water or something. Well, this is what he needed. Billy Graham told him, I need you to pray for me. I can't do this without the power and blessing of God upon my life. He knew how much he needed God. 
He relied entirely on God's help, even for something he had done so many times before, and actually he made look so easy. He needed God. We need him in everyday life. So the first part of this verse is about the poor in spirit. Being humble before the Lord, knowing that you are completely dependent on him. It means that there's no room for any arrogance before the Lord. And then turn to the second part of this verse. It's about being part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is not only about the everlasting home of the almighty and all-holy and all-knowing God. This is also the everlasting home because of God's mercy to all of those who trust and rely on this King of kings and Lord of lords. When Jesus was on the cross with one thief on one cross at one side and another thief on another cross at the other side, one of those thieves had the arrogance to ridicule Jesus. The other thief, with the wood at his back and with nails through his hands, through his feet, the other thief knew that he could do nothing to save himself for this world or for eternity. But he also knew that contrary to what he saw in Jesus, the wounded, bloody, look, um, helpless-looking person. He knew that contrary to all appearances, Jesus was the only one who could save him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knew he did not deserve it. He was a criminal. He was getting exactly what he did deserve according to the laws of that country and according to the laws written on our minds and souls. But he trusted Jesus Christ alone to bring him into the presence of God. Jesus was the one thing he could depend on, and it was so obvious to him. Truth is, we're just as dependent right now in this moment. Jesus told him today, you will be with me in paradise. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's not just for a few select people we know from the Bible. It's not just for a few select people like Billy Graham in this world, who is almost 100 now, about to celebrate his 100th birthday. But even those people in the Bible, even some of our mo- the people who impress us the most, they did not have everything figured out. They did not have everything perfect. The only one who did was Jesus. The one thing that they had that really makes a difference for this world and for eternity was that they trusted God himself for their lives and their salvation, for their forgiveness. Jesus for this world. And Jesus for eternity. And they knew that they owed God everything. We need God just as much, individually, as families, as a nation, as a world. We need Jesus just as much as people ever have. Without the mercy of God, there is no reason for hope. 
So we're free, however, to pray. To pray something like this. God, I am a sinner. In your wrath against sin, please remember mercy. There is no way I can ever get into heaven someday by being a good enough person. There is no way I can have you, Lord, in my life if I depend on myself. I know that I'm spiritually empty without you in my life. So I look to you alone for my salvation, for my forgiveness, for my life now and forever. Thank you that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for my sins and shed his holy and innocent blood for me. Lord Almighty, save me from my sins. Save me from death. Save me from hell. Save me with forgiveness. Save me with life. And save me to be a person, a resident in heaven. And make me into the kind of person you, Father, created me to be. Being free in Christ means that you're free to pray like that. Boldly. Confident in God because of what Jesus Christ has done. We can pray like that freely because God gave His only begotten Son to the people of this world, brought Him into your life. So, we are free to stop trying to live life on our own terms. We're free to stop trying to earn our salvation and trying to impress God. We're free now to admit to Jesus just how much we need Him. We're free to know the forgiveness from God because of Christ, and we're free to know the love and the mercy with no limits from God Himself. Blessed are those who are humble in the sight of the Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To God alone be the glory. In Jesus Christ, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being exactly who you are. Thank you for your power over this entire universe, your authority over it. The fact that you are almighty within this universe and outside of it. Thank you for your perfect holiness. You cannot do anything evil. You cannot do anything wrong. Father, thank you that your nature is perfect and right and good. Heavenly Father, thank you for making this world, for making us, and for not giving up on us. Because, Father, the little bit that we see on the news... It's a little fraction of what you know. And Father, it causes grief and distress. And Father, as we look inside ourselves, we see without you there is a big gaping emptiness in the middle of our lives and right there in our souls. We need you. We were created to be your children, created to be in fellowship with you. We are created, designed, and function only with you as our God. So, Father, we ask you 
not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because you take bribes, not because you owe us. But Father, we simply ask you because of your mercy and because of the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross, though he was innocent and holy and almighty. On that basis, Father, we come before you boldly, trusting your forgiveness, trusting your love, trusting the life that you have for us today and every day in this world and on through eternity. So create in us clean hearts, God. And thank you for your patience with us and your work in us. So that when we do see you face to face, we can know that we're washed clean by the holy, innocent blood of Jesus Christ. And in his name, not in our own names, but in his name, Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen.